This is Healthy Business with Dr. Charles Moak. Learn how to help transform your business into a wildly profitable, well-oiled machine. Start practicing healthcare that not only benefits your patients and your community, but grows your business. Hi, I'm Cam Carmen, and Dr. Moak and I are talking about leadership and how he stands out in a crowded marketplace and with Allure Medical. What is your journey towards success, Dr. Moak? Well, first, when we talk about leadership, we all kind of have our inherent thoughts about what it means. There's a lot of leadership coaches and books written on leadership. One of my favorite authors is John Maxwell, who's really a kind of a well-known leadership author, but he really started out in the ministry and led a huge ministry. And it's the same thing there that applies to say medicine. I'm running a medical practice. And sometimes people confuse leadership with being the boss or leadership with management. They really are different things. Our company... We do thrive on leadership and coaching over management. And if you look at traditional management, there's usually multiple layers from the top to the bottom in order to facilitate communication from the very top leaders through a series of management to the front lines. And now we're seeing a world where we have knowledge-based workers more than production workers or agriculture workers or armies, where they have the ability to think. And we also have the ability to use technology to communicate these messages using things like KPIs, key performance indicators, goals and targets, meeting rhythms. And leadership, I think, becomes more important because the leaders need to make decisions where the company's going based on their own individual leadership style and then work through coaches to get their message across to the teams. My type of leadership is I'm more of a visionary. Typically, there might be visionary leaders. There might be leaders that are really operators that are getting stuff done. And there might be leaders that put processes in place. And all three of those components of leadership are necessary I found that because I have a high visionary leadership, I sort of underrate or even don't even respect process-based leaders very well because I don't like process. But one strong reality I've learned the hard way is that success without a process is not repeatable and a process without success is worthless. As leaders, we have to work together to have these balances of who's going to do the stuff, who's going to have the vision for the future, and who's going to build the systems so we can continue to grow. I talk about recently about servant-based leadership, and sometimes people confuse what that means. But now that we're reading more books about it and hearing about it more, the leader really their main job is to serve the people that they lead. There's books I've liked, like Leaders Eat Last, the servant leadership, and they line along the same things. Is our primary job is to take care of our employees, and so they can take care of our customers. And one of my main goals is to save healthcare through wiping out wound care, and I really can't do it. So I need to really take care of my employees so they can execute it with our customers. So we wipe out healthcare through my leadership of understanding where the future is for our company, for the nation, communicating that to our frontline employees are actually going to do the work. And then having people that can build out the processes so they can do it consistently over and over again. Operators who can really carry out the difficult tasks that need to be done. We face challenges all the time and you need leaders to make those calls. Another thing that I think that people get confused about, we use a term called frontline leadership. Frontline leadership means that the leadership decisions are made as, as far as the front of the line as possible. Frontline, like the people that are actually interacting with the customer or building something. And there's tends to be a confusion of what that means. And I found out that when we use the word meritocracy, meritocracy means the decisions made by whoever has the most merit versus anarchy where anybody can make a decision, democracy where you vote on it, or monarchy where somebody makes the final call. Meritocracy is, I think that word came out of Silicon Valley with Andy Grove talking about Intel, where he had a bunch of engineers that were engineering products. 
and they really had to make decisions on their own. They couldn't rely on a CFO or a president or somebody else making decisions. They understand the technology. That's where the casual workplace came into place because he wanted the people that were making the decisions to be the people that were making the products. So he kind of got rid of the formal business attire. And I'm not saying that's good or bad. It's just what they did and created a clear meritocracy where the person with the most merit makes the final call. So the idea of a meritocracy or frontline leadership, where let's say there's a group of people that are working on a project, I mean, there's 10 or 12 of them, a decision has got to be made and it should be the person that's with the most merit. And that person should be kind of determined in advance, either through their job description or through collective agreement of the group or just based on their history. And the meritocracy leader takes opinions and input from all the people on their team, but it's not a vote. That's democracy. Mm-hmm. It's not where anybody can veto it. That's anarchy. It's a meritocracy where the leader who's the most merit makes a decision based on what's best for the team, best in the input he got from the team. And that's kind of leadership we're trying to grow here. And we had a situation where people did confuse it with democracy. We had some things in our billing department that weren't getting done. And it turns out that they kind of mistook a meritocracy where anybody could have enough merit to veto or side rail something. So nothing got done. And that's, of course, anarchy, which is probably the least effective methods of governing a company. Tell me how branding is important to your company. Well, Lure Medical, we used to call it Lure Medical Spa because I started this business. Medical Spa was kind of a new term. And I we started with a cosmetic angle. And I was since drifted where you still do cosmetic. We do a bunch of other stuff. And early on, we made a logo so that we'd have something that our staff would stand behind. We started using our logo on a lot of things, our clothing. And we had colors that were similar. We made our website aligned. And it takes a long time, but there's two types of marketing. One is direct response marketing. The other one is top of the mind awareness. And branding really is top of mind awareness. So Coca-Cola can do a commercial that just talks about Coke, but they're not expecting you to buy one today, but it makes them top of mind. It makes you think of who they are. Our brand has to do with authority in the things that we do. And because I was always an innovator in medicine, I did a lot of production myself at first. I really don't do any now, but that allowed our brand of Allure to be associated with high quality safety, now saving healthcare, consistency, and even having the most advanced things. And since we were always stuck with the brand versus my name, a lot of medical practices might be named after the doctor. Because it's stuck with the brand, is that segued out of healthcare and in the leadership, the other doctors that took my place and they were trained, that authority actually gets transferred to them because of our brand. So branding is really key if you're planning the scale. If you're not planning the scale, it's really just your name, it's your reputation. Tell me how important marketing is to your business. Well, it depends on how we define marketing. So sometimes people confuse advertising and marketing. And we do have a marketing department that does primarily advertising, which would be through digital or TV or radio or things such as that. But our most effective marketing is word of mouth and physician referrals. And that's really done by the boots on the ground people in the offices. And our most successful offices that are a little more mature, they're mostly referral based. And a brand new office Advertising marketing is absolutely critical because in our business, our main thing we're growing is this venous insufficiency where people get these venous stasis ulcers. In the entire country, they've been doing wound care for years, which is an old-fashioned system. And they're actually using products developed in the 1800s to treat it. And Medicare still pays for that stuff, even though it's you know over 100 years old in terms of the technology. So the doctors in the area aren't referring to people like us because it didn't exist when we go to the community. They're so programmed to just send people into wound care when it occurs. So we have to advertise to the customers. So they recognize, oh, this looks like my leg. I probably should see somebody else versus doing the same old stuff I've been doing before. So for us, marketing starts out being advertising direct to consumers in a new market. And then within about a year, we've 
sent letters to the doctors, visited with them. Then we start getting the doctor referrals, word of mouth. And then the marketing transitions into referral-based marketing. You know, we still might do some degree of advertising. Tell me about how, as your practice expands across the country, you obviously need to have more leadership, more branding, more marketing. How are you doing that? Marketing is, of those three things, is the easiest. Rob, who works in our marketing department, he runs marketing he really is a multiplier, so he knows how to take stuff and repeat it over and over again. He's not real good at experimentation. Typically, you're not good at experimentation and multiplying, or what I call simplifying and multiplying. I'm a simplifier. He's a multiplier, so I can experiment with new stuff. And then he could take what I did, look at why it worked, and then make it go to 50 cities or something like that. So the leadership is critical. Marketing is easy. And branding takes a little while and does go through is this kind of marketing activity. So we go into a new region. I'm typically invited on the news station a few times to talk to them because it's sort of like we might be advertising our channel, but from a side thing, doing news stuff is that it's an interesting story that we're going to that community to save healthcare. We use the same branding that we do in Michigan and other states to let doctors know this is what we're doing. Then they look this up, they see that we're a national company, it gives a little bit more credibility, like social proof. Mm-hmm. Of all great observations, Dr. Moe, thanks for your help. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Healthy Business. We'll see you next time.